Welcome to the 27th episode of Born in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. Bringing the greatest and mediocre conversation. <laughs> Well, we got a skeleton staff tonight. It's just me and the city wing king, Mr. Grant Lancaster from Detroit, Michigan. What up, though? How you feel, Gregor? You know, you know, it's all to the good. Yeah, still standing, still strong. That's right. Yeah, we were just pre-gaming, talking about what was going on with uh, some of our other guests. And I spoke with Gene earlier today. Shout out to Gene. You know, oh, wait. Well, we'll be catching up soon. And, you know, Mr. Brooks, who was supposedly leaving the country for South America. And somehow he's still here in the city of Philadelphia. I thought he said he was here as in he's here in Columbia. Oh, maybe he is in Columbia. That's yeah. probably what he meant. Yeah, that's that's how I read it. Oh, okay. That's right. He says I'm here. Mm-hmm. So confusing. That's what happens when you get on the plane and all they're doing is serving cocaine and tequila. It's like the entire <laughs> ride there. <laughs> you lose track of things. It becomes difficult for you to keep track of all the things that are going on in your life at that point in time. Hey, listen. You got to tell me something about cocaine and tequila? I'm on this. Two subjects that I am completely unversed. Sir. I'm saying, I, I'm nervous. You're like, yo, I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'm like, what? Like, are we about to get a, are we about to get a puppy exclusive right now? <laughs> There's some cocaine and tequila. Now, hey, listen. Listen, man, he, Rob's, um, Rob's mom actually has retired down there. Big shout out to Miss Luz Mila. If you could ever listen to Absolutely. Her, Absolutely. Great woman. Made my high school years much, much, much fun. She was as much of a co-defendant on many of our crimes as Rob ever was. So <laughs> while still holding up the, the prestige of a parent, and everything that's a very mm-hmm. tight line to actually walk. Yeah, you know, tightrope. You know, tightrope. She did a great job. I remember Hurricane back in uh, the 80s. And it was a big thing on Long Island because they thought that we were actually going to have our first hurricane. Now them shits happen like every other week. Yeah. But back then, it was a big deal. And she came and picked me up at the house. And they actually lived in the flood zone where we were supposed to actually evacuate from. She came and picked me up from my safe house and we went over and we went and I guess it's like their statute of limitations. It's like, they can't arrest her now. And we would have got a whole bunch of years <laughs> and alcohol. And we like stayed up late up in the house and got really like fucked up, you know? Yeah. So shout out. Yeah. Was that Hurricane Gloria? Hurricane Gloria, that's right. Mm-hmm. That was the original. Yeah. We had a we had a good old time. We had plenty of plenty of fun. That's the same woman that took us to Atlantic City for uh, Rob's mm-hmm. 16th birthday. And they let us in. That's the only time Trump was okay because we went in the Trump casino and they actually let us go in there and put in slot machines, but they warned us, don't let us see any of the tables. Mm-hmm. But we'll take that, they'll take that stop machine money though. You know, the difference is that in the eighties, we didn't have these things. Right. And yeah, there weren't cameras everywhere. Yeah. There's not a Karen behind us on the elevator, taking the picture of the guys going of the 16 year old kids going into the casino at that time. And they'd right. have to find the footage now. So mm-hmm. now it's all on video. And if the video gets lost, that's the end of the case. And we knew enough not to say anything. These motherfuckers, yeah. they put up videos just for the attention. 
Well, these, these days you can't get rid of the video because it's everywhere. It's not just the person that's recording. You know what I mean? Like it's not just the person who's the star of the video. It, there's other people recording, somebody recording and the rings that are, that are around and you know what I mean? Like the, the traffic cams and everything. Yeah. It's like, you, you can't get, you can't get away from it. It's like everywhere. It's like nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's big like brother is watching. It's impossible for them not to know everything that's going on in the world right now in a quick second. So they are so, these, these cats, are, they're so messed up. I was watching a TikTok video yesterday. I got a suggestion for a TikTok video, and it was this kid that was ranting about Palestine. Normal white kid. I think he was saying he's a law student, and he was discussing all of the war crimes that Israel put, has done and listing them. You know, this is not anything against Jewish people ever. This is just right. what has transpired and how it is viewed according to the United Nations and the international charters and all this other stuff. And as he was speaking, he was, he was killing it. He was just basically killing it. <laughs> kind of a bad turn. But he uh, had play on words, but he was, yeah, he was, uh, I don't know, assassinate. I don't know. Anyway, he was doing his job. He's just a kid having a conversation on break from law school. And um, an Israeli guy gets on and he starts, of course, refuting the stuff that he's saying, but he said it so slick. He's like, well, you're in law school. You're on break. You have to watch out. You have a whole future to look out for. Mm -hmm. You've got a whole future and people are going to remember when you come out and you point out what is actually going on. So we live in a world of silence. Can we really say that we're a democracy, a free country that you can actually, you have freedom of speech, you have freedom of conversation. All these idealistic ideas, we have these um, Ivy League presidents that have come. We haven't done a show in two weeks. We took a week off. And they had the Ivy League presidents up there, and one of them had to resign based mm -hmm. upon her conversation about this topic. And just her, the, her opinion, just do you think that it's free? Should these people be persecuted for making these claims and making these statements against what we see as being um, anti-Israel. And one of them's gone. Are we living in a free society at this point? Well, yeah, you're free to, to do and say kind of what you want to do and say. I mean, you, ha you have that right. But the problem now is that this group think and how no one can be offended and you can't disagree with anybody and this need to appease everybody's sensibilities and everything that won't allow you to make an honest statement and just have that statement be what it is, just an opinion. Because everybody has an opinion, but in certain lights, you're not allowed to actually have that opinion and just live with it. Just have other people live with it. Your right. opinion has to be the popular opinion. The same as everyone else's opinion. Right. And, it, and if it's like, not cancel culture that, you know, that's what cancel culture thrives on. That's the fascist message. Right. You know, across the board. And, you know, I was thinking about it the last two weeks. Like one of the reasons why I didn't do a show last week is because I really had, um, I had an epiphany about myself, first of all, and I was processing that and everything. And just because I'm an old man doesn't mean that I'm not capable of change and learning things about myself. And it kind of gave me a different perspective as to like what needs to be done moving forward. And even having these conversations moving forward and what we're saying and what we're doing. But as I was going over all of the things that were, that have changed and how they've actually got us, you know, they have us afraid to, they have us afraid to say that we dislike anything. You literally can't dislike anything without right. someone saying that it's wrong for you to dislike these things. And I don't understand like me, 
like me and you personally, like I'm sure, you know, we feel the same way and everyone else that comes on the show, we all feel the same way. Like we're not really bound by that shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're just going to feel however you're going to feel about me. And and that's going to be your bag because it is your bag. It's not my bag. It's not my, that's not my weight to, to carry. It would be my weight to carry if I held my tongue. Right. And holding your tongue causes tumors and cancer and all types of crazy stuff. That's literally the definition of holding in your emotions. You're allowed to express your emotions, but they teach you the proper way to express them or the proper verbiage. Right. But can that really be taught though? So in, in the heat of the moment, you have to allow someone to express what they want to say. And it, it, and granted, it may not be politically correct. And I say granted because most of the time I've been told that what I say is not politically correct. Mm. But I'm not here to be politically correct, though. I'm here to get the point across. Mm. And, you know, you can get the point across politically, but it's like, so PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, used to be called shell shock. Right. Right. It used to be, it used to be a, t- a two, two word, uh, two single syllable words. Right. And now it's, it went from being shell shock, which was something that was, it was direct. It was to the point to post-traumatic stress disorder, which is some seven to eight syllables, four words. I mean, you know, it's just a longer, it's just a longer, more drawn out, uh, kind of softening of a term that was direct and to the point. It's actually what it is, is it's actually confusing the issue. Because by throwing all these different diagnoses in there and these different terminologies from shell shock to say PTSD was what they would call it today and all of the things that encompasses, that's something completely different now. And of course you're going to have different types of responses to that because we're different people. You didn't grow up with the same type of something that might, might cause me to set off might not cause you to be set off because of something that you've experienced and how you've learned to adjust and adapt to different things. But you said something interesting. You said politically correct and politically correct has been changed so much and it's defined by politically correct is defined by who and When I was thinking about politically correct today, I thought about somebody that we probably in the black community never talk about anymore. And that is the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Run, Jesse, run. Run, Jesse, run. He wanted to be president of the United States of America. Well, one thing that Jesse Jackson, we'll just skip over all the other things, the operation pushed. Um, whether or not he was there when King got shot, whether or not he actually set up Dr. King, that's something that's become a part of his legacy. Because of course, with black people, we're going to always call out what we feel. We're doing that right now and -hmm. what we've seen and what we've experienced. So I'm not going to judge him on that one way or another tonight. We're not going to get into that. But what we will get into is what Jesse Jackson used to represent for black people which was progress, especially for the upper-class black. Because Mm -hmm. Jesse Jackson was very instrumental in getting things such corporations to commit to jobs, job placements, positions, things of that nature. Who's doing that for the black community now? No one. But but here's the thing, though. Like, there's there's not a lot of jobs. You know what I mean? That like a lot of the jobs have been moved overseas. So unemployment is at unemployment is at an all time high, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it, you know, at, at a certain point after you've been un- unemployed for so long, you drop off the statistics. So you, so the statistics, the stats are not even really reflective of what's really out there. Well, all right. So let me put it this way, frame it this way. Would you say that Jesse Jackson was an effective leader? if not the leader that black people needed, but during that time, do you feel like he was effective for at least a segment of the black community? So I, I look at, I look at all of these movements 
kind of like exercise programs and diet programs. They, anything will work if you do it. Okay. Right. If you do it for long enough, eventually it'll work. So somebody like, like Jesse Jackson, I, I don't really know how effective he was because that wasn't really, as a young adult, I wasn't really trying to get into that. Yeah, you, know you didn't mean? want to trickle work. down. Right. right. You didn't feel the trickle down. You weren't interested in where the trickle was coming from. Right. But, I mean, for, for what he was, I mean, for him to be as popular as he was, for Black people to rally behind him the way that they did, I mean, he had to affect some people positively. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people will knock on him is that he extorted money from a lot of corporations. But I mean, isn't that the way that the game is played? Right. That's kind of what you learn in America. That's kind of what you learn in America, right? If you were a rich black person in the eighteen hundreds, post slavery, or even during slavery, if you were a free man and you were black, maybe you owned slaves. You know, there there's stories like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it it was just a fashionable thing to do. It what it's not that they thought anything about it. It was just, oh, I'm rich. Oh, let me get some slaves. And then like today, you know, like we, we are getting this money. Let's siphon some off the top. Let's take our, let's take our 15% off the top and then let the rest do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason why I think about this a lot is because I'm thinking about the political dynamic of what's coming up right now with the next election with black people, um, overwhelmingly disenfranchised and disgusted with what's going on in the White House today, with what, what we have in the White House today. Um, people don't, Black people don't feel the love from Joe, Joe Biden. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. But somehow they seem to have found a love for Donald Trump. And my problem with that is that you're going from the, you're going from the shitter to the woods. And that's essentially what the choice is. So we're in a situation where they're not going to run another presidential candidate. The Democrats are not going to have a open debate about, they're not open to new candidates. And it's really starting to hurt them with the black community. It really is starting to hurt them. People are looking at the situation. They're looking at the world right now. And like, but like you said, like everybody's catching hell right now. It's not right. as if there's, it's not as if there's one group. Like I would, I would, if there's only one thing I could say to all black people in this country who are sitting around and they're complaining about whatever their situation is, you have to recognize that everybody is going through hell right now. I was just watching a video about the trucking industry. And this guy was saying it, he was saying that some of these guys were offering him trucks and he was like, why would I buy you, buy the trucks? They're just going to sit over here and collect dust mm -hmm. because nothing is going out over the roads right now. And it makes me wonder about the supply lines. I really want to have conversations about what's going on with the supply lines right now. And the food that we eat that they supply us is not good food anyway. It's all poison. Right. Everything we eat is poison. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem to me like the American people are in control of shit right now. Is basically where, what I'm getting to. White people ain't control, in control of shit. Black people ain't control, in control of shit. Who is in control of shit? But it, it's like we talked about a few weeks ago. We touched on it, right? Like when you talk about anything in this country, you're talking about a, a small... 1% of people that run this place, you know what I mean? That make decisions. And I'm not saying that they have, you know, clandestine meetings where they all meet up in a barn or some shit and decide on, on America's fate. Nah, they don't have to have a formal meeting. You know what I mean? If our interests align, we both billionaires, like we the Waltons and the Rothschilds. We don't really need to have a, a sit down meeting to understand that, okay, what's going to benefit them? It's probably going to benefit me too on, on some level. Right. Right. And, and I mean, the other part of it is all of the big, all of the major companies, all of the, uh, key land, like anything that's, that's of value is owned by this 1% of people. You know what I mean? Just think about the fact that somebody owns the empire state building, like an, an entity owns that and somebody 
is the CEO of that of that board that that owns it. You see what I'm saying? Right. So those those are the people that benefit from from everything, and everybody else is just kind of the sheeple. Well, that's a, what we get. There's a video out there on the internet that breaks down who actually owns America. And it lists these four or five different, I think it's like 10 corporations that own everything in America. Yeah, BlackRock. BlackRock yeah. is one of them. I hear that name a lot. Um, I can't right. remember the other. It's like BlackRock, Vanguard, and Vanguard, Lohan. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and the thing is, the biggest shareholders in each one of those corporations are each other. Right. So they're not, com- they're not competing with anything. It's just really what this world is. They're kind of just dictating at this point. These elections don't really make much of a difference. Your leaders are pretty much just accepting dollars. Maybe one or two of them go in there with the thought process that they're going to do something. And then once they're there for two years, they realize, hey, there's nothing I can do with this. Mm -hmm. I might as well get a paycheck before I'm out of my ass living in the same neighborhood that elected me and have no money. There's There's no wins for that. Yeah, so, when when that snowball is coming at you, though, when when that avalanche is coming down, and you trying to go up, I mean, yeah, you can you can duck and dodge a little bit, but sooner or later you are gonna get caught in the face with something. Bob, <laughs> next thing and next thing you know, you roll you rolling with the avalanche. Next thing you know, you know, you know what I mean. Well, that's generally the way of the world. And it seems like it's being wind up now based upon who has money, resources. Did you see that movie, um, the one that's on Netflix right now with Julia Roberts and um, and Ethan Hawke and the uh, Mursala Ali? About, oh, uh, the end no, of the not yet. No, oh, I haven't please. seen it yet. I, yeah, yeah, I heard it was it. good. I heard that, it was good. It was a, it's actually a good movie, but it's the message of the movie that really needs to be discussed. It's actually done by Obama, the Obama's uh, production company, believe it or not. And, oh, really? Yeah. And it really talks about, like, kind of the end of times and how they're, they're so, the similarities as to what's going on right now in this world. And, and right now, where it's, I, I think this is crazy. Papa's getting arrested for having booty parties. Like, let's be honest, like, we've all known that those parties have been going on for decades. Why is he getting arrested for it now? Is there, is what? it because of the, is there a shortage of loot? I don't know. You only, like, get, you only get so long to be on top, baby boy. We got, we got to put somebody else in that seat. But I don't, who are they going to put in the seat? I don't see, I don't know if they I don't even think they're trying to replace that seat, to tell you the truth. The way no, I it, it'll, it'll take some other form, but it, it, I mean, it'll be enough. There'll be another yeah. another guy that comes through like Puff did. You think? I don't yeah. think there'll ever be a guy that came through like Puff did. You know, I mean, not exactly like Puff, but I mean, you know, like like uh, so like Master P, right? And you know, not to not to put the two together, but Master P kind of came through. He didn't do. He didn't take the same route that Puff took, but he came through kind of like that, you know, too short. Came through kind of like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they'll they find another one. They'll I don't think it's, one. I really, I think that the world has terraformed so much, Grant. I think it's literally an impossibility. And this was another thing because it all comes down to one five-letter word, M-O-N-E-Y. The people True. that have it. And the people that want to get it. For example, there was something with Puff's son and his video had came and he had in a video where he was talking about different things. And he said he made a line. They made a point about the line where I'm a rich end and everything. I'm not even, I'm not, I don't deal with beef on your level. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically, you can't touch me. But then, and people were commenting on it as if like, you know, yeah, you a rich end. And everything, stay your ass out of the hood, and so on, so on, so forth. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, all the rappers that are out there now were all trying to pretend and trying to get to be the same rich end that he was born into. And that's all that they talk about. 
Except for Kendrick. You got Kendrick coming out saying X, Y, and Z. You got um, J. Cole coming out doing different things. And and I'm I'm partial to like the lyricists and everything. But the rest mm-hmm. of these dudes, they're actually trying to be like Puff's son. Is he wrong? That's the new, Puff's son is the really the new gangster. And any way that you like, any way that you, you can put flour on that you can like wash the chicken, you can season the chicken, you put flour on the chicken, and everything is still coming out fried. Whether it was fried from, from one of your Amish chickens, or right. from a chicken that was like, that's a regular steroided up bird that we get out here in the world right now. Right. It's like the same chicken. True. True. Well, I, so, and what you're saying is, what you're saying is a hundred percent. Tasty. Oh. It's a hundred percent true. A- and it's tasty. And it's tasty. Um, 2896 West Rand Boulevard. Deep right in Michigan. Come down and get you some. Sit in your That's right. Seriously, get out of here. Yeah. Well, what, you, what you're saying is 100%. And this, this is the effect of social media and the proliferation of the internet and cell phones and all this kind of jazz. Everybody kind of has that same mentality. And that same mentality comes based off of the algorithm that sends you more things that are like what you think. It sends you more people to, in your mind, verify that you're right about what you think. You're right about what you're doing. You're right. And in that kind of, in this kind of society. Until you're wrong. Until you're wrong. But you don't know that you're wrong until the 1% or some, some representative of the 1% decides that you're wrong. That you're wrong. Like we talked about it before, and at least I did. You know, the first thing that I said that probably got me on the anti-Jewish watch list, um, which I'm sure exists right now. The first thing that, that I Schindler's said. list? It, it's a, a reverse Schindler's <laughs> list. You know, my, my man yesterday, man, my man yesterday who was sitting up there on the TikTok running through these different things, I'm sure he made it onto that list. You know, the thing is, like, the thing is about, it's not about hating. Just because you tell the truth about a people doesn't mean that you're racist against them. Or the truth about what, it's not even about the people, it's about what the state of Israel is doing. It doesn't make you wrong to tell the truth. Except that we don't want that truth to be known. We We want to forget that truth. We, well, look, it's like, here, here's my thing, and like this is kind of like what the epiphany was. I could possibly be upset by these people losing their lives. The land, eh, you know, what I'm saying they the way they, they stole it. Those lands have been stolen from other people, from black Jews, Israelites. There's an argument that a lot of the people who possibly originally inhabited that that land, the royalty got shipped over on slave ships here to the United States of America, mm-hmm. which would make perfect sense. And for the people that the hoteps that listen to these shows and get all into this stuff, it would make perfect sense for you to take these people who look like these people and hide them amongst other people in the colonies that also look like these people. Right. Best way to just wipe them off. Absolutely. You know, that's how, that's how they do it all the time. Yeah, you plan an agent. Right. But you, you plan an agent, but also you, if you remove those people, then, and you mix them in a land where there are a lot of other people, the other big thing is that the Indians were the black people. We are the owners of this. We are the people that originally inhabited this land. So those two things could possibly be plausible. Having that conversation, though, it's in no way a danger to any Jewish person or a person that identifies them as someone who comes from Israel today, unless there's some truth to it. 
Right. But the, and that's the thing. We don't we don't want those truths known because those truths now hurt our feelings. Right. But it, it could it be truth? Could it be truth? Is it relevant or how relevant is it to those that hold that own the power? Very interesting thing to bring it over in full um full circle. Did you know that Europe is running out of bullets right now? Were no, I didn't. Uh-uh. Europe is running out of bullets. They have given so many bullets and so much artillery to Ukraine and Israel for these wars that you can now see the bottoms of the stockpiles. Wow. They need people to produce and companies to produce more bullets. There's an opportunity to make some money right now as a manufacturer of artillery and hardware. It's also making people who live in the United States who have stocked up on it, artillery look like geniuses. So this is not just a, this is not just a um, local problem. You know, people have been saying that artillery is hard to, bullets have been hard to come by for a while. Well, certain oh, areas, wow. certain regions. And now it's actually hitting the places where they're actually making money off of it. And I just thought about the irony of the fact that they have to ramp up production of items that kill people. We can't come up with any type of way to make peace and make money and have people live amongst each other. And we're going to quickly find a way to get more bullets out there in the world. But... Also, it also made me think about the fact that the world is like leaving itself open for coups in a lot of different areas, like Africa, for example. Um, if you're in a place where, if you're in a situation where you've been colonized for a very long time, it might be, it might be leaving open, open hole. If people were united to do such a thing, people aren't, black people are not united to do such things which is the reasons why we have all of these other things going on in the world. But I, I just find it interesting. What do you think? Are, are they going to ramp up production of artillery and bullets? Well, you have to because, and, and we, we talked about this on the show before too. Peace is only peace based on the threat of violence, right? Mm. There's, there's, in, a, in a lot of cases, it's not just natural it's not just a natural, uh, peaceable relationship between countries and, you know, even people. It's, it's not always just a natural, peaceable, you know, relationship or whatever. You know, I mean, you know, you, you a big dude, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I may want to smack you, mm -hmm. but you're a pretty big dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, 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 so smacking you is going to bring some repercussions to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a key, I'm a keep that peace because of that threat of violence. You see that? I mean? That bullet. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. We got to ramp up production. Plus war is a money-making tool for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we know this, it's, it's been that way. It's been that way for years. Right. You know, I mean, if, you know, there's, I, I read an article about these politicians invested in Boeing and Lockheed and, you know, some a couple of other companies just right before all this shit kind of hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And now they made gazillions of dollars based off of that. And they're going to make, and they're poised to make more. Yeah. If, if we can get those people back to work, making bullets for a cheap price. Maybe that's the reason why we have all the immigrants coming over because they're going to steer them to jobs and manufacturing firearms. And we all know that arming Mexicans is never a problem in the United States. Mm. Never seen issues with that. True. Different places. It's always, always a smart move. <laughs> hey, this ain't America, is it? Yes. Wait. This. This, this is where, this is where we are. This is where we are. You know, this is where we are as a country, man. And, and, and as a 
it's it's not just the country now. You know what I mean? Like now that the internet has brought everything so close together that it's a global community. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you kind of have to start. We I think we kind of have to start thinking on those terms of a of a global community. And the community is 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 in a it, we in dire straits, man. We in dire we, straits. We are because we have to argue different regional things on international lines. I was the only the only conversation I've gotten into on the internet in the past week was an article that they had in the Daily Mail. And in the article, it was a video of a guy, and I just happened to recognize the background. The background of it was the L-I-R-R, the train. Mm-hmm. And it was this Indian guy yelling and fighting with this black woman who told her to keep her, his hands away from her because he kept reaching over to charge his phone. And I just read the comments right away. I watched a little bit of the video and I read the comments right away. And of course, people were jumped. This is an opportunity for them to say things about a black woman raising her voice mm-hmm. and protecting herself. Nobody listened to the tenor of what she was saying. And what she was saying was that I'm a woman. You think it's okay for you as a man to put your hands on or to put your hands around me. If she had had, if she were a woman with blonde hair and blue eyes, mm-hmm. it would have been perceived completely and totally differently by right. most of the people in the comments section. The reason why I can say that is because I perceive everything through that lens. Whereas you are just a person first and then everything else happens. The reason why I say this is because it was about a phone charger being plugged in. If you've ever been on one of those trains, I've been on it many times. You see me all the time. I call you all the time. I got appraisals in the city. I got business in the city. I hop on the train. It's easier than drive it. It's just like such an easy mm-hmm. thing. But there is only one plug in each car, and it's in the back of the seat that's by the door and everything. There's usually like one or two plugs per car, okay? And mm-hmm. you've been on the LIRR when it's busy. Mm-hmm. It's standing room only. Yes, sir. So if your phone is not charged before you get on the phone, before you get on the train, there's a very large possibility you're not going to be able to charge your phone on that train because it's just too much going on. It's too many people. You can't bend down. You can't do whatever. And this guy was breaking like three or four different protocols when it comes to plugging in your phone on the LIRR. I know because I've been in these situations, I needed to plug my phone in. I've also had people come and plug their phone in near me. There's certain things you do, certain things you don't do. But these people had already made up their minds based upon looking at what she looked like, what he was saying, and none of the other surrounding circumstances whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So... It just made me think about how easy it is to misconstrue these videos. Oh, absolutely. You know, and on the flip side of that, there, the woman that had had the breakdown of Victoria's Secret, like uh, it was a big thing where they had a Karen who was, who was like screaming, you know, don't take my picture, this and that and this. And then the white woman, right? Turns out that she actually did have a mental disability. And she had a, she was just a person that was like frail and she had a breakdown. So that's one black person, one, one white person. Most people got it wrong. Right. But like you said, we're one community. But we're one community that's like rushing the judgment on fucking everything. And it's caused us by the time you get done with those fights. And you're having, based upon these information, truth doesn't matter anymore. And this is the way we disseminate information there. Truth doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter that that woman broke down, that she actually did have a mental disability. Doesn't matter anymore. The truth is subjective. And the the truth is subjective to, there's a movie that that I, I saw one time called Vantage Point. There was like four or five people that saw an incident from different angles. So, so your perception of it was totally different from right. everybody else that saw this incident. And that's, that's, 
you know, basically what I use to, to break this thing down. I'm looking at it from, I'm looking at the world through my lens and my lens only. My lens was created by the stimulus that I got, my reaction to it, and then the reward or punishment that I got based off of my reaction. And, and over the years. No, I, we've, we've discussed that before on the show, and I just want to like, you know, right. that's actually, and that is a great movie. I've seen that movie before. It's a great movie. But just along those lines of the vantage point and you taking things the way that you see them, nowadays, there is less of a, there's less of a rush to, they don't want you, they want you to see things from strictly your point of view with no collective concept or visual in this whatsoever. The collectivism has to be based upon hate. Has to be based upon hating something, talking bad about something, feeling negative about something. That's where it has to go from. That's where it has to derive its strength from these things. And people wonder why things are the way they are and they keep getting worse. Because anytime someone tries to make it better, y'all out there running your fucking mouths talking about their that they're assholes or that they're self-serving, you know, and there's no possible way to bridge that gap. It's a thankless job. Right. Why would anyone want to try to hip y'all at anything? It's a thankless job. You're because you're happy with the conclusion. You're happy with taking the pain. Just like the, the thing about the about the job, two hundred thousand or one hundred thousand, you yeah. know, and or fifty thousand and underneath all these different people. That is such a deep fucking study and thought right. process that you would rather feel better yourself during the course of the day than provide more for your family. Mm -hmm. And you wonder why your family is struggling. You can't take the hit. You lack the humility. You lack the ability. It's about, it's more about how you look and how you are perceived to be looked at right. more than anything else. Nobody wants to be looked at as being fucked up in the game. Right. Like, I need likes, baby. I need likes. Yeah. I'm out here needing likes and I got to get them one way or the other. And being fucked up in the game ain't popular. Charleston right. White, Charleston White, you know, it's funny, that guy, he be snapping on everybody. I, oh, I my God. He's hilarious. Oh, my he God. He is, man. He's funny. Dude is, dude is funny as fuck, B. But if, he, if, fuck. if you listen to him, he makes salient points. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he started out. I saw a video of him. He was like, yeah, listen, I started out making salient points. Mm -hmm. And y'all didn't want to hear us. It was like the same thing that like we had this conversation. We had a conversation early in Born in Trouble. Charleston White, he was, we had talked about that a, a long time ago on the show when I had first went on that app and I was learning about these apps, but you know what, for, it's comfortable. For a large segment oh, yeah. of people, it's comfortable. Oh, That's yeah. what they want to hear. What I'm saying doesn't resonate with them. They don't understand my inflection, my pitch. They don't understand none of that stuff. It's just like, I'm just... I'm just out here, like, you know, floating in the wind. You mm -hmm. know, it's sort of like I'm not the most desirable. I'm not the most desirable meat right now because I'm not talking. I'm not talking in the dialect that would attract those type of people. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem, too. We go into the I'll go back to the dating thing for a minute. There's been a lot of conversations about dating and wanting high value men and how these women actually end up with these other dudes. And these other dudes are just like, that's what they grow up with. That's what they know. Mm -hmm. So it's really a level of comfort. So men have to uplift their standards. Is it men that have to uplift their standards or women? Because I women always. I think it's both. But women always, like, men used to, like, run around and do things and jump through hoops from women. And I guess they still do. 
but they do it at the strip club. If you want to get your bag, you get your bag at the strip club. Right. But then where are you on the, on the dating menu? If you know what I mean? Like if, if you a stripper, you ain't an entree on the dating menu. I'm sorry. You might be an appetizer. You might be a starter. You know what I mean? But you ain't an entree. You may, if, you may be dessert. But eventually you're going to have that bag. You're going to get that education or you're going to have that money. If you're smart. Think about Cardi B, for example. Got to give a shout out to Cardi. Cardi, Cardi. Not because necessarily I lust for her, as someone suggested that I lust for Cardi B. But she's a single woman right now. Let's break her down for a second. She's a former stripper. Mm -hmm. Videos of her. I've seen Cardi's coochie on the dark net. Different places. Mm -hmm. um, you've seen it all from back when she used to work in the clubs. Is she, but now she's 100 million, 200 million, 300 million. Is that redeemed? Could I? So, so let me, let me say this. I could easily fall in love with the money. Mm. I could easily fall in love with the money, but falling in love actually with Cardi B. And I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage Cardi B in any kind of way. I don't know her. Beautiful girl. You know what I mean? Like all that. Um, but her resume doesn't speak to someone that I would hire for the position. Right. Mm -hmm. However, if we talking a hundred million dollars, $200 million, then I may acquiesce and just say, Hey, you know, if, if right. you want to get with this, yeah. If you want to get with this, then come get with this. Right. You mean, you mean what a right. Right. You know, Offset didn't want to act right. This is where the rubber meets the room. Cardi B is a different woman than she was when she was dancing on those, when she was dancing on those poles. But in many ways, she's still the same. But he, so he, here's, here's what I believe women don't understand about men. And, and I'm, t I'm talking about traditional men. Traditional men don't care about how much money you make. Because for me, you can't pay for nothing, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm just not cut like that. You can't pay for nothing for me. You know what I mean? Like, and when my money is, when my money ends, the good time is over mm -hmm. until I get some more money. Well, I mean, like that's your perspective. You're doing what you're doing. But like you said, you could fall in love with the money. So Cardi B, mm -hmm. 200 million, right? Not like she's giving old dudes a shot, older dudes a shot. She's probably gonna, right. if she does, she's gonna stick with somebody probably somewhere. We're not, we're not trying to be candidates for the Cardi B Love Connection show. No, I don't, no. I'm, we're not gonna be on the dating game for Cardi B. We're talking hypotheticals here. And as I said before, I like Cardi. I think she's like very smart. She's a very smart woman, and I think that she's gotten to the point where she's probably outgrown. The nonsense of whatever it is that she's been going through. She's phased out. She's phased out of that type of relationship. He seems right. like he's like all in on it. And why wouldn't he be? Because that's what he knows. She's going in a different direction per se. But is she going to, how successful is she going to be? I mean, what do you, what type of dude is she going to really get with? If any. Well, you already know it's going to be somebody that's, that's in the circle. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how incestuous entertainment is on, on all levels. If you a dude, if you an NBA chick, you date NBA cats. If you an NFL chick, you date NFL chicks. You know what I mean? Like if, if you, if you in the music industry, you probably going to date somebody in the music industry, you know, but, um, the relationship Cardi B may be totally different than the persona that she puts out there as an entertainer. Mm. Now it's up to you to decipher that. But if the relationship Cardi is the same Cardi B that you get on the internet and all that kind of stuff, how long is it going to last? 
I mean, yeah, because that's that seems like a fun package, but it don't seem like it don't seem like it's long term. How do you need Cardi if you're outside of the business and you're not in the business? Because I'll take an example like um, I think Gladys Knight, her husband, was not in the music business. Yeah, Les Brown. Right. When she when she was with Les Brown, right? Um, she was with. Rumor was honestly that she liked the dude that my pops knew that was a truck driver. Like, was in love with this dude for like oh, a long time. And it, but it's different back then. When you're singing, you're on the road, you're doing these shows. It's not everything isn't like you know, like Gladys Knight twenty four seven. Right. There's a lot of people that you used to see people marry people that were outside of the business. And those marriages would be more successful, but you can't do that now. You have to stay with somebody in your, in that arena. And the people in that arena are basically generally, they haven't left themselves. Society hasn't left people. I won't even say young. Everybody's a young person at this point, but society doesn't really give people the opportunity to grow into who they are. And they definitely don't have the lessons. I was having a conversation with somebody, a young lady today, how her husband basically just decided to stop working, to stop hustling, got to a certain point, and mm. just like can't can't get that going at this point. And I don't recall ever stopping hustling. I'm still hustling them. Yeah, that's that's what we come from, though. You know what I mean? Like, and and so for us, hustle is different, though. Hustle, hustle is just kind of part of who we are. It's not something that we're doing just to get money, right. right? Like, it's it's easy to give up. It's easy. It's easier to give up on something that you're only doing to make money, right? So, like, like hip hop, for instance. That's why you see these these dudes. They be in it and then they be gone. Mm-hmm. because they got that little bit of money and now they off doing whatever it is that their real passion is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The hustle that you, the hustle that you doing, the hustle that I'm doing, this is something that I've been doing. Like city wings is, is my hustle. Mm-hmm. I've been doing city wings since I've been 24. I'm, that's damn near 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a long time to be hustling something. Yeah. And when I think about it, it's like I I had a long time. I've been in the real estate business in one form or another for almost um, 20 years going on now mm-hmm. in one form or another. So to me, I, I can't imagine, even though I try to move away from it in different ways, you know, but I, I just really just change up what I do and how I do it. I don't really, I never really take my foot completely out of it. I'm a licensed realtor now, you know? Right. So we're, so it's like, we just move things differently. I just don't, how is, how is it supposed to be there? But I, I think it's all by design. It's like, what it is, is brand is like, I don't think that people have as much control over things as they believe that they do. And I think that's a dangerous combination. I think that most people are, you know, most people have their guns and they have their ammunition and they have their sights trained on whoever it is that the powers that be want them to have their sights trained on. And then they're just going to come and mop those people up. Mm-hmm. I don't feel yes. like anyone's ever really at, we're never, we're never at a real threat of a revolution of actually changing anything. No one is. No group in the United States of America. This is the bold statement I'm going to make today. No group in the United States of America, not even the insurrectionists on January 6th, have ever been a threat to the powers that be in the United States of America. Ever. You're just fooling yourself. That's that's part of the plan, though. So so in, in order to be effective with it, you would have to apply it you have to apply the pressure consistently, right? right. At, at whatever it is that you're doing, consistency is more important than, than just about anything else. 
right? If you are consistently doing something, whether you're good at it or bad at it, eventually you're going to break through doing whatever it is you're doing. And we don't, we don't have that attention span to apply that consistency on any real level anymore. The perseverance is gone. It's been replaced by a computer. They feel like the computer can, it's better to have people under control and be able to appoint them into a personal and philosophical direction than it is to do anything else. And, you know, for the life of me, what the last thing I was trying to figure out was that the word woke, how we have black and woke got caught up in the same sentence and the same type of like, you know, fight and struggle. Because honestly, it's like black people have been going through what we've been going through forever. And the mm-hmm. LGBTQ community, although they've been going through what they've been going through, whatever, it's still, it's not the same thing. And I don't understand how black people really allowed those two things to come together and be melded as one. Yes, of course, it's natural that black people have less problems with the gay community and other communities were naturally a more inclusive people. Mm-hmm. We allow things and we allow people to basically come and show the simple, everything, our most recent, like, um, musical genre, which is under risk of being stolen, the hip hop, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I'm reading these, I'm reading and I'm having reading and watching these arguments about Puerto Ricans actually starting hip hop and West Africans starting hip hop and, um, Jamaicans and Caribbeans starting hip hop and everything where everybody knows that hip hop was pretty much started in the Bronx in the seventies in its current form. Before that, there are elements of hip hop that were found in jazz and bebop as early as the 1910s, 20s, and 30s. Right. You literally have tapes of cats moonwalking in the 1910s, 20s, and 30s and doing all the things that, so it's like, it's not even, it's it's not even in question. These things aren't even like questionable in these stories that they, that are told. It's not even in question, but the reason why hip hop is what it is and why all of these groups feel such a connection to hip hop and feel like they can claim it as their own is because of the fact that it was started from generally mainly black people and black people will give you a practice for doing what you do well. Right. And we're always accepting of those that actually add some type of spice or entertainment or flavor to the mix. Yes, and sir. There's a lot of that within the gay LGBTQ community. We've had artists, designers that have been designing clothes and dressing black men for hundreds of years and never had issues or didn't have the same types of issues. You cannot legislate away people being prejudiced against gay people because of that sexual energy and that testosterone, whether it be those people really generally hating them because of what they learn or because of something that's inside of themselves that's latent that they don't want to face. But those are human things that you're never going to be able to take and make them go away. But what it does, what it has done is it has allowed them to grab political power and a lot of it at the risk and at the expense of the black community, which is why I was thinking about Jesse Jackson, which is why I was thinking about all these different people. I was thinking about the race people, the people that we have nowadays that are discussing all these different topics and things, but that aren't, are basically ineffectual in actually getting anything changed or anything done. You know, we've got a, a whole bunch of philosophers on the internet and everywhere, but I can't think of one of them that's actually done anything that's actually made in a, a change in anything. The only one who's successfully run campaigns is Sean King, and he's been discredited by some certain groups or less successful groups. 
we can't even elevate each other and pick each other up without knocking each other down for whatever it is that we are supposed to. And that's the race hustler part of it. And that's the part that makes me think that we are a community of ops. The new buzzword, the new uh, hot word. Not a new word. It's not a new thing. We've been infiltrated our entire, this community is infiltrated the entire time. The Black Lives Matter movement is an infiltration. These people got money from Jewish manufacturers. And when these people go in, or a lot of Jewish, not, not all Jewish people, but some, but what we've seen, the reason why they get singled out in this case is because a lot of them come back and said, I donated to your cause. How dare you support you? You not support us rolling over Palestine. Mm-hmm. How dare you allow these people to give context to their existence? Everybody wants context to their existence. Everybody deserves context to their existence. And this is one of the reasons why I didn't do a show last week, right? Because I've been feeling these things that are beyond the black experience, beyond puffy, um, run, having dudes come and run up in our mediocre singer that he dated for a long time. It's like that whole situation to me is just a big fucking joke, honestly, and everything. Not to say that what she's gone through wasn't serious and wasn't her thing or something that, mm-hmm. but that's something that she experienced while attempting to attract people and fame for singing pop songs. She wasn't like going out there trying to march on Washington. This is not Aretha Franklin in Detroit, Michigan. This is not Gladys Knight walking and marching. These are not, these are not freedom. These are not, they are black. That is the only, that is the only thing that makes them fucking relevant. The fact that their skin tone is also black, but what they doing is a hundred percent self-serving bullshit. So what the fuck don't, none of them are, none of them are doing anything to stop the the way that the votes are being taken away from black people, something that black people died for. None of them are actually mm-hmm. trying to hold any of these people in their systems, you know, accountable and everything. And I know this, I could say this about the systems. My grandson was in the system. It was a whole black school district and they basically did the worst fucking job and tried to do it while laughing, shucking and jiving. It's disgusting to me. It's disgusting. And then somebody's going to tell me that I'm not black enough. B, you already know how that shit has ended. But I've been, I've been, people have been telling me that since I was in first grade. They've been testing me on that shit and walking away bleeding for like a long time. You know what I'm saying? That shit ain't nothing new to me. It ain't impressive. I don't care you can get 200,000 people on the internet to say that shit to me. It ain't gonna make a difference. I'm fucking mm-hmm. conditioned to, uh, to not even hear that shit. I don't give a fuck. You can't define what the fuck I am, and you shouldn't be defining what other people are because you're not that great. None of us are that great. So it's like the epiphany that I came to myself was to humble myself and to thank the Lord, thank Elohim for all of the things that he has given me, all the blessings, these years, the good friends that I have, the good things and the things that I've been able to experience and everything and to humble me and allow me to be here at this point in time because, you know, I was quite an ass at one point in time in my life. I was, and I'm still here. Honey, you were? <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes I still can. <laughs> and sometimes but, I promise you, I will. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, though. This is what you're talking about. This is simply age and wisdom, B. The older you get, the more you realize how much you didn't know. And all the fuckery that you created in your past. Mm-hmm. And as you get older. Not that you resent it, 
but in in some way, I think we try to make up for it. You know what I mean? I don't know if I resent anything that I've done per se, but um, I resent the lack of focus that I didn't have in sharpening mm-hmm. the message. What I'm doing right now and what we're doing right now is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, which mm-hmm. is the oddest part, which is the odd part about it. I can't stop this podcast even if I wanted to, because generally what it is is the message that was brought to me is that certain people are brought here to basically do what we're doing right now, which is mm-hmm. tell the fucking truth and hopefully make everybody make it like, you know, better for everyone. And it's not really to make it better for everyone. It's just really to warn the few people that need to hear. Some of us need to hear. The rest of these motherfuckers, they lost causes. And it's just you can do that's going to save them. Yeah. Sure. But, uh, you know, just, just the fact that you're able, to, you're able to put the podcast out there to touch whoever it's going to touch, you know what I mean, is a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And that, you know, that's, that's, Anybody that can benefit from 54 or 53, anybody that could benefit from our 107 years of wisdom, mm. please. Damn. 107 years. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Take from it. Learn a lesson. But you can, It's easy to learn a lesson when you, when you get hit upside the head. Yeah. It's harder to learn a lesson from somebody else getting hit upside the head. But take the lesson. Well, you know what they try to, that's a, that's the whole part of the thing. And I'm going to end it on that because they try to make sure that you don't get to the lesson because now if you get hit upside the head, you can sue. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's 27th episode of Boy in Trouble with my man, the city wearing Kane. That's right. From Detroit, Michigan. It's the Grand Lancaster. That's right. I appreciate you, baby boy. Always good time. And to the brothers that aren't here tonight, Mr. Brooks with the good looks. Yes, sir. Gene, I can't be seen right now until I get a camera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Big hop. I need to holler at you, homeboy. Big hop. And Reggie Reg, who has come in and filled in admirably in the past couple of weeks and added to the show and made us what it was. Born in Trouble, 27th episode. Peace. Peace.